welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and joining me this evening, I've got singer-songwriter, tarot reader. Um, she um, has a song on SoundCloud out called Pardon Me, uh, which is um, hopefully the first of many that will be out. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's COVID kind of put a, a, a damper on the band rehearsal and recording times <laughs> yeah, which is yeah that's um that's a totally understandable story we will talk about that um but yeah she's uh she's been um performing with uh a lot of different groups for a long time uh, one of the most recent ones was fourth street elevator the swing ensemble um, i'm excited to talk to her about her passions artistry why she does what she does jen Sintrone. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's a, a pleasure and a privilege to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to finally get to know you. It's been a long time coming. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I've been watching uh, some of your podcasts here and there. I don't really have a lot of time to watch a lot of things, uh, but I have caught a couple of them. And it always seems like you get into some interesting conversations with people. So this should be fun. I appreciate that. I don't feel inclined to like, you know, I don't, I don't expect anyone to watch, you know, like <laughs> I expect, like if you want to, it's there. I, I mean, I edit an episode and that's usually the last time I watch it. So <laughs> it's one yeah. of those things, you know, For but Jen, we'll start with, uh, how was your day today? My day was pretty good, um, considering that I had a hard time sleeping. Um, it's uh, the, the the noise of the street was a little bit bothersome, uh, but considering mm -hmm. that I had a pretty good day, I had a couple of clients. I have a couple more uh, at night. It's a new moon, so new moons tend to be a more like chill, relaxing time. I try to like. Uh, live my life by the cycles and the seasons and I find that it works well for me So today was basically a chill day, but I did read for a couple of people uh, music has been kind of on hold for a little bit um, But the tarot work is something that I've been doing a lot of and I always enjoy so That's awesome. I see you've got a, a furry little kitty uh, Oh yes that's my wisp. She's my little old lady. She's a she's my little grumpy lady. Come here, baby. She looks like <laughs> yeah. her eyes are so striking. Yes, yes. She's just so beautiful. She's half Persian, I believe, um, and that's why she's got the like somewhat squash face. And she likes to sit on the arm of my chair. I feel like a little bit like like one of those like movie supervillains. Yes. <laughs> I feel like it also it, it's, it's she's my familiar you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. <clears throat> yeah I um growing up we had a cat uh she was a a tortoise shell baby um and she used to sit like I used to just be on the computer like religiously as a kid and she used to just like sit like right like on top of the chair like at the very like top of the uh backrest uh -huh. like, and so i just have my head and she's just like right behind me and i just like rest my head on her as yeah uh, as i'm like playing computer games and stuff like that that's uh, sweet oh yeah i you know cats uh man they they position themselves 
in very unique ways to get your attention. Yes, they really do. They really do. Um, when she wants attention, she can get pretty vocal. Like she'll meow at me and, and paw at me. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, hey, I'm petting you. Can you pet me back, please? Yeah. It's like, it's like, what do you think you're doing not petting me? Like, what yeah. do you think this is? Yeah, it's like, how can you resist me? I'm so fluffy. Yeah. I, <laughs> honestly, though, she is. Excuse me. I, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to resist her if I had a cat like that. I can't. She's the sweetest. Aww. <laughs> Cute. Um, well, I'm glad you had a good day today. And um, yeah, uh, what we talked about on Mr. Nice Guy, we examined love and fear, passion mm -hmm. and creativity. And um, so we first met because you were a regular at the Riverwest Public House um, mm -hmm. piece. Um, it's, it's like, it's done now, correct? It is going to be closing at the end of October. They're having like a last closing month to, you know, get rid of stock and, you know, try to make as much money as possible to pay down some of the debts as le at least uh, if they can. But unfortunately, you know, COVID, things were looking pretty good, but then the pandemic hit and packed shows were not a thing anymore. And that's, you know, what made them money was, you know, bodies packed into the bar for music show or something like that you know yeah oh yeah like i will miss that place i mean it was a good community of folks that really mm -hmm. you know found home in that place that you know it was like their it was their safe space a place for them to heal from the outside world and uh, yeah uh i saw a lot of great shows there and i will miss that i'm it's a um, it's a really uh, um, tragic um, sort of uh, series of unfortunate circumstances that is leading several of our venues to close down. Um, I mean, we lost the up and under as well. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, trying. I'm gonna. I've had a couple of guests on the show recently that are very passionate about independent venues so hopefully we can keep that conversation going of like how folks can support um you know places like cactus club and mm -hmm. uh x-ray arcade and you know like even uh, you know the cooperage great place yeah as well. for sure and uh, liniments I've, I've never seen oh, yeah. a bad show there honestly yeah <laughs> liniments is like i just think of like all of like the um the river west dads like it's kind of like a yeah it's totally um, a dad bar, but I, I've, I've enjoyed a, quite a few shows there, and I've played a few shows there, too. Yeah, yeah. I mm -hmm. like Linneman's, too. Um, shout out to Jim. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm obviously being careful. I'm not really going out too much yeah. because of quarantine, but, you know, yeah. folks, if folks' ways of supporting a place and keeping it open is to have like a safe social distance drink on the patio or something like that's yeah. totally cool um mm -hmm. so anyway yeah so the public house was how we met and uh, i knew you were a, a singer songwriter um and uh, you know you have a website and it documents just how long you've been uh doing the thing mm -hmm. so jen will what's we'll chronologically here uh where did you grow up 
I grew up in Puerto Rico. Um, when I was very little, I was up in Arecibo, which is on the northern coast, like a little bit towards the uh, west. Um, but then when I was about six years old, I moved up to Aibonito, which is up in the mountains. Um, so it's a, it's very different, like being, but actually in Arecibo, it still was kind of like in the mountains because we weren't like too, too close to the beach. It was like maybe like a 20 minute drive. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up in the mountains of Puerto Rico um, and I came to the United States after I finished high school, which was in the year 2000. Oh, wow. Um, mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Does it feel like that long? You know, it does. It doesn't, it doesn't. It's really funny because it's uh, the, the time has this funny way of like contracting as you get older. Like it seems like every year goes by quicker and quicker. And so the years when you were younger, they just seemed like they took like such a huge span of your life, right? Uh, but now it's starting to feel like it because it's been 20 years. It's been more than half my life that I've been pretty much up here full time. Did you move straight to Milwaukee? I did not. Um, I started out in Galesburg, Illinois. I um, hmm. was at the that like out. That's like out in the country, isn't it? That's way out in the country. Oh my god! Way out in the country. It's like it's about four. It's about an hour south of Peoria. Oh um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the alma mater song, the highest point, literally was the cornfields. It was like, <laughs> it was like the, the soprano part was something like, our woodlands are cornfields, like cornfields, like really intense. <laughs> uh, I, uh, it was uh, way out there. So I was sure. there for about a, a year and a half. I did go back home for like the Christmas break and summer break uh, in between because I was in the dorms at the time. But then um, halfway through my second year, I dropped out of, of Knox and I ended up uh, moving to the northern Illinois suburbs. And well, which one? Which one? Uh, I was I was living in I started out in Round Lake Beach. My aunt was living out there she, and then I got myself an apartment in uh, what was it? Beach Park, Illinois, which is like between Waukegan and Zion. It's like, oh yeah, okay, sure. Like this, if you blink, you miss it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm from the uh, south suburbs of Chicago, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I am a, uh, as they call, fib as well. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, so uh, how did you uh, end up in Milwaukee? Well, I ended up in Milwaukee because um, while I was in Northern Illinois, I was 18 years old because uh, I started high school at, I mean, I started college at 17. Um, and I did not have the discipline to be in college. I didn't because school had come very easy to me. And I started music as a creative writing and music double major. And I had just come from, you know, the mountains in Puerto Rico, <laughs> from a town where we didn't have a stoplight or a McDonald's until like my senior year of high school, right? Um, 
to this town that, you know, it was still kind of like in the middle of nowhere, but I, it was, it was very different. It was a big culture shock and there was homesickness there, but there was also huge imposter syndrome because I was like, not used to living in English and I was trying here I was trying to like do a creative writing major in English and and you know school came to me very easy when the answers were like preset you know like two plus two is four uh three plus seven is ten you know whatever it, it like that you have a concrete answer to but with writing you know you have that cursor just blinking at you and you're like wondering what so so where do I even start and I just got really just depressed and I was not able to cope uh with school I did very poorly my first year um and also music theory was something that was very difficult on on that side of things because I I've been singing since I was born pretty much um, and I've been playing guitar since I was eight years old but I was pretty much self-taught and I did it turns out that I have ADHD I was just diagnosed this year uh, at the ripe old age of 37 <laughs> but I always had a really hard time like focusing on, on learning theory and that was something that was absolutely necessary uh, to be proficient at and I would just get like blocked up so I had a breakdown uh, after a year and a half um, in college uh, and but I didn't want to go back home defeated and so I got myself a job and an apartment and I was 18 years old and I was not going to school. I was working at a hydraulic cylinder factory uh, as a receptionist slash customer service uh, representative. Uh, and everybody around me was way older than me. I couldn't really go to the bars. There weren't like any places for me to hang out. And I was on the internet one day and I was lonely and an ad for match.com just popped up. And I was like, Woo. I wonder what that's about. And I clicked on it because I was lonely, right? And I ended up meeting this guy who was from the Racine area and he was going to UWM. And I wanted to go back to school, but I didn't want to go back to Knox because I felt like the, it was like a toxic bubble uh, in a sense. For me, it was just a little bit too isolating. And so, he was like, well, why didn't you check out UWM? I checked it out. I transferred up here. I liked it. Um, I, I kept saying uh, after th this guy that I ended up coming up here for, uh, I was in a relationship with for about seven years. Like I was married for six of those years. He's a good guy, uh, but it just wasn't the right fit. And uh, anyhow, that's how I ended up in Milwaukee. After I divorced from him, I thought, I'm gonna move away. It's too damn cold up here. It's too damn cold. But then the summer comes and I forget. <laughs> so glorious, yeah. It's so glorious. This summer was a little bit sad without the festivals because that was that's one of the funnest things about Milwaukee in the summer. Um, I miss that, but we'll have that again eventually. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um... Yeah. Um, how, so how long have you been in Milwaukee then? I've been in Milwaukee since 2003. Damn. Mm -hmm. Damn. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, I've been in Milwaukee out... like half my life now. It's crazy that's... to think about. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, clearly, uh, 
something, some forces have uh, kept you here, um, yes. which is great because uh, um, we wouldn't have met each other otherwise, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, Milwaukee's a great city to like, um, you know, it's a city where there's something here for everybody, but it's not so big that like you feel overwhelmed or like lost or drowned out by all the stimulation. Like, I that's mean, exactly how I feel about it too. Yeah. And that's why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's, that's cool. Um, I like what, so what neighborhoods, like, did you, were you like, so are, you're in River West now, right? I am in River West and I've been in River West most of the time. Um, oh, dope. I started, Where, uh, I, I started out when I first moved, I was in Shorewood because I was like going to UWM and I had an apartment on like Oakland and Capitol area. Um, but then I moved to River West and I stayed in River West except for like, I think in 2011, I tried out Brady Street for a year and I and parking just got the best of me. I said, forget about this. Let's go back to River West. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been in River West for a year and a half now, and uh, I think it's the perfect neighborhood for anyone love who it. loves, yeah, anyone who, you know, loves, like, the DIY ethic and, you know, a very, like, community-oriented space and, uh, you know, live so many shows, artists. obviously. Yeah, so many artists and talented people and interesting people to talk to. Oh, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. exactly. Like, I feel like I just want to, like, get to know everybody and hear everyone's story. And mm-hmm. this has been a good platform to do that. So, um, yeah, so um, tell me a little bit about music in your life. Like, uh, when did music, like, first kind of present itself as a creative outlet in your life? Well, like I said before, I've been singing since pretty much I was born. It was my dad sings and plays guitar. And so he was trying to get me to sing and there was really no need to get me to try because my mom says, you give me a quarter to sing and I wouldn't shut up for a dollar because I just love doing it so much. Um, So my first public performance, you could say, at a family gathering was at my first birthday, uh, where my dad played guitar and I sang a song. Uh, And then my first public performance, not at a family gathering, was when I was five years old in church. Um, And at school plays, uh, you know, like the Christmas shows and that sort of thing. And sometimes at sporting events, I would sing the national anthem and that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, I started my first band in high school uh, and I actually started it with the, the, I guess technically the musical director was the biology teacher. He played the cuatro and Mm. I played guitar. I've been playing guitar. I was about 15 years old. So about seven years at this point, Uh, I would say when I was 15, 16 was probably when I was at peak form uh when it comes to playing guitar uh because i was just shedding like crazy i would just practice 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 um but the funny thing about all of that and how it didn't translate to like trying to study music is because you know the practice of i was playing guitar to accompany myself while singing and all of this was just i wasn't thinking about the mechanics of what i mean the theory of what i was doing just the mechanics of it right um so 
anyhow, started this band and it was kind of like a Puerto Rican folkloric, like trova type music. I've always been drawn to like old timey styles uh, and old timey songs. I just love um, how poetic they are um, and how interesting the chord changes and melodies can be, uh, how plaintive uh, some of them are, you know? Um, so that was my first project. Uh, first started out with me on guitar and then him on cuatro and this kid on the bongos and a kid on guido and a flute player. And then people started at it coming in and I actually taught a couple of kids how to play the songs on the guitar. And but we started this when I was in 10th grade. And by the time I graduated as a senior, I wasn't playing guitar anymore. I was just lead singer. And uh, I believe the, the group continued on after I left uh, under the direction of Mr. Cool. Martinez, but it started with like him approaching me and, uh, and we would like work out the arrangements and I would, uh, I've been singing harmonies uh, with my dad since I was a kid too. So I would figure out by ear harmonies for like the second voices and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that, and then when I was in, when I was in high school, my mother wanted me to learn to play the piano and I kind of wanted to learn to play the piano too. So I took some lessons um, uh, at the conservatory in San Juan. I took uh, classical singing lessons and I took piano lessons, but I didn't really take guitar lessons because at this point I was able to follow chord charts and that was all I felt I needed. Um, but unfortunately, I did not practice piano enough, uh, and my mother did not like the sound of the scales repeating over and over with all the mistakes and all of that, which I understand. Uh, we didn't have a digital piano. It was, you know, an acoustic piano, so there was no way to make it quieter, unfortunately, and it resonated throughout the whole house. But, um, but also, it annoyed me to have to practice and to make mistakes, and every time I make a mistake, I'd be like, and I get frustrated and just ah, forget about it. Uh, <laughs> I was the um, same. I was the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's uh, how I was with the piano, um, but I loved guitar, and uh, so I was at Knox College saying I'm gonna learn music proper, um, and I made it into the Knox College choir and the chamber singers, which is the 16 voice smaller elite choir as a freshman, um, and I was taking voice lessons weekly and piano lessons weekly and still just playing guitar. And then I had my crisis. Um, and when I dropped out of Knox and I just like started thinking, I need to be more practical. Music is not going to be like the thing that's going to allow me to make a living. Uh, I need to just, just do something that I know I can just do for sure. I'm just gonna go the science route. I'm going to become a doctor like my parents want me to. So when I started at UWM, I actually was going for a, I finished a bachelor's in biomedical science um, with kind of like a concentration in immunology. And I actually went into uh, grad school for that too. Um, but I didn't love it. This was, a, this was a choice that I made out of fear, <laughs> you know? And so, <clears throat> and I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy because I, I never really gave 
my dreams a chance of you know of trying to like of at least being able to sing at small places like I don't need to be famous if if my voice is reaching like one person and they tell me wow that really resonated with me that was beautiful thank you that's that's great for me you know um because it it feeds the soul I mean it'd be great if I could like pay the bills for it and then I eventually did decide to like try and like make it you know paying gigs and all of that and I did some of that I haven't played any gigs this year though because not because of lack of opportunities because actually I've been offered I've been approached about it but I've just been wanting to kind of just like it's pandemic season um I'm chilling out for a bit yeah yeah I mean there it's been Mm -hmm. a um recurring conversation of like you know no one should feel pressure to mm-hmm. be creative or you know subscribe to the gig economy right now because you know things are so up in the air and mm-hmm. a lot of folks are you know in a lot of despair or trauma or otherwise navigating just various hardships affected by the quarantine Mm -hmm. and the isolation but also like the economic implications of everything like you know if if people are are in creative mode at this time good like that's awesome and good for them but if you're not like that's totally okay too i mean it's it's, super understandable i mean we are collectively going through a extremely traumatic time uh it's it's kind of a freaking mess out here (laughs) Um, dude yeah it's uh, a real shit show Um, mm -hmm. and we're reminded of that every single day in a different way isn't that fascinating isn't it just so fascinating that politicians in washington can't agree on how much money they're going to give to every single citizen and so they're just not going to at all it's messed up yeah it's messed up yeah it's so bonkers it's like it's like a it's like an onion article that's just been like actualized Right, right. It's like, it's like, I think that in 2012, that large Hadron Collider, when it was activated, it sucked us into an alternate bizarro uh, reality. And, and it's just, it's just like a freaking Simpsons episode. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. But, but anyhow, I, I quit music when I was about 20 years old and I went hard into science and I did that for maybe about five or six years, about five years into it when I was 25, I decided to start trying to play again. And I went to a Bremen open mic, Bremen cafe. Uh, they had their open mics and I played a few songs on the guitar and I sang and that's where I met Phil Schwinn and Gareth Lippy, uh, mm. who were the mandolin player and guitar player for the original lineup of fourth street elevator and and so so that's where i met them and they were like hey we're gonna get together and jam at my house like later this week do you want to like stop by uh do you know they asked me do you know the song besame mucho and i'm like yes yes i do it's a it's a classic every i believe that every spanish-speaking singer knows that song (laughs) Yeah. You sure. know, so so I was like, yeah, 
and maybe I know some songs that I can teach you guys too. And so that's pretty much how Fourth Street Elevator started. Um, hanging out at Phil's house, just like jamming and working through songs. Well, that's super cool. And that group mm -hmm. is now largely defunct, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, as I said, like there's, there's like two offshoots that it kind of like split off into. And sometimes I will sing with them every sure. now and then, um, but not always. Because um, they're more like an instrumental yeah. vibe, but, for, but sometimes they'll call me for like a certain gig where they have requested a singer. And so sure. yeah, totally. I'll go in and sit in like on a gig by gig basis. <laughs> you go. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, um, what other groups have you played with uh, in your tenure in the music scene here? So, Fourth Street Elevator was my main one for a while there. Um, I have played gigs with uh, other bands around town, like I've sat in with like De La Buena for a few songs at uh, a show at um, Company Brewing a couple years ago. That was a lot of fun. Um, I also had this gig with this band called American Latin Soul, but I think that one's defunct too. Um, so that, but that one was fun. We actually opened for Los Lonely Boys at Summerfest. Uh, oh, cool. That's good. The second year that we were together and that was really, really fun. Um, because it had started to, it was at the Johnson Control stage and it had started to rain right before our set started. So everybody ran in to get covered under the rain and we're, and we're like, hey, we're sound checked. We had the people here, let's keep them here. And they stayed and it was amazing. It, I had, that was the biggest crowd that I played for. And it was a super fun gig. We used to play uh, like salsa and bachata and merengue covers of, of pop songs. Like we did a, a salsa cover of um, Despacito. Oh, cool. Uh, we did a salsa cover of Billie Jean. Nice. And also that, oh, there was that, that other, it was a Jackson 5 song, I Want You Back. Awesome. Yes, that was really fun. Um, what other groups, other random uh, jazz ensembles have like asked me to either play private gigs at like weddings or that sort of thing. Um, or they notice me in the audience and they're like, hey, you want to come up and sing? And sure i'll just grab whatever standard out of my sleeve <laughs> for sure so awesome cool um so that brings us to oh but right now uh, i forgot right now i'm playing with uh <laughs> with cuatro quinto is the name of the group that i'm playing with we we've played um at cafe el sol pre-quarantine and we've also done a, a couple of private gigs here and there but that's and that's uh, mostly latin music uh, puerto rican music with a, a few like you know just general like mexican songs in there too uh, <laughs> oh awesome cool mm -hmm. uh, very fun um, that all sounds like uh, real fun times uh, in many different ways um, that brings us to um, the more recent times um, where you are also a solo artist and uh, you know um, I'd love to start with talking about your song Pardon Me um, the one you have up on SoundCloud uh, 
tell me a little bit about that song. Well, that song, it's really funny because I, I was trying to, <laughs> so, so this is going to get a little bit personal. Because uh, <laughs> sure. yeah, all, of, all of the songs that I've written have been written kind of like as a healing process for me uh, to work through like breakup feelings and that sort of thing. Most of my songs are sad love songs. I'm kind of like a, a torch singer. Uh, but anyhow, the, I, I wanted to write, there was this pun that I had in mind uh, where I would like slip in the name of the guy uh, inadvertently because I was so sick of his name just haunting me everywhere that I went because it's a very common name, right? Uh, and the song that came out with the pun, I, I wanted to make the song with the pun like a super sassy, like, like F off type of song, like forget you, whatever, right? Um, <laughs> But the song that came out with the pun was super sad. Oh my gosh, like probably the saddest song I've written to date. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I didn't get to write that sassy breakup song. And then two days later, I wake up and I had that song just in my head. And I sat down and I was like, this feels... It's, it's like a New Orleans jazz vibe is the way that I envision it. Like when I finally get myself a band and like produce this and record it like how I want to with the budget and all of that, I'm definitely gonna have a horn player uh, playing that first line. Um, and it came out so easy. And the, the chords are, you know, like very traditional uh, chord changes for that style. Uh, I was like, am I plagiarizing something? <laughs> so, so I called my friend Anna Brink, who has been studying like New Orleans type jazz for years at this point. She's an extremely talented piano player and also a great songwriter and one of the smartest people ever. And like, she's amazing. And maybe you should talk to her too, because she's super awesome. interesting. Yeah. Uh, and anyhow, Anna Brink, she um, asked her, I asked her, um, did I plagiarize this? And I played the song for her and she was like, well, you know, the chord progression is kind of similar to St. James Infirmary, but it's a different song. It's like a whole new thing. You just wrote it within a style and that's why it sounds familiar. Uh, I just, that song just freaking just channeled. I wrote that song literally 15 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good feeling, I bet. It's a great feeling, yeah. <laughs> It's a soul stream of conscious. Um, dope. Uh, well, that all being said, Jen, uh, what do you have in the chamber? Like, what, what, um, where are you with the, the process of uh, getting your music out? Well, right now, I'm taking a little bit of a break with the music because um, I actually had COVID earlier in the year. I did test positive for antibodies. Um, after the pandemic had like hit, but my symptoms actually started in late December. Um, and, they, and they went all the way through to like mid-February. So I wasn't able to sing because I was coughing and it, I did not feel great. My throat was sore for about eight weeks. Um, 
And, and so I had put music on hold to heal and it just took forever, forever, forever. Um, and then the first rehearsal with the band that I was putting together was scheduled for March 13th. And March 17th was when everything shut down. Like that week prior was, was when things were starting to shut down. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just not do this. Cause one of the, one of the people in my band was a, a, a school bus driver too. So mm-hmm. gonna be like a, around a lot of kids and like, it was just gonna be a mess. So, so we put that on hold. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to put it on hold until the pandemic ends. And also, my, my lungs and throat have not been the same since then. I feel like I'm still like slowly healing and recovering from that thing because it lingered for a long, long time. I had a fever for like nine days straight, and I've never been that sick. Oh, that's awful. Um, so I feel like I don't have the endurance <clears throat> for performance uh, yet. I haven't like really tried, uh, but I, I feel like it's not there yet. I can just tell. And I don't want to strain my voice uh, too much, just trying to let it heal for a bit. Yeah. Um, so, so that's on hold for a bit, but once the pandemic lifts and I'm feeling physically better and more healed, I'm going to get a band together to get all of my original songs arranged and hopefully recorded and maybe write like three or four more songs because I have about eight original songs uh, right now. Cool. And uh, yeah, hopefully get an album out. As, uh, 2020 was going to be the year that that was going to happen, but yeah. that, that did not quite work out. Um, yeah, that this was the year everything was gonna pop off. Remember oh that? yeah, I was gonna. This was gonna be my year. I was so sure right? of it. <laughs> I was so sure of it. But I should have known because you know, with cartomancy, with like tarot stuff, uh, in numerology, my year this year is a hanged man year, which is a year of kind of just like waiting, and shifting, and just like just but everything's on hold. Uh, it's kind of uncomfortable, but, you know, we're going to learn some stuff through it. Um, I'm still, I'm still playing guitar at home, you know, by myself. Every now and then I'll pop into the virtual open mic uh, for the River West Public House and perform a a couple of songs. Um, That's been pretty much it. But yeah, as soon as the pandemic situation is cleared and taken care of, we're going to get, I'm going to get the band together. We're going to get them and they're going to play all the bops. Yes. Yes. All the bops. Um, all the bops. <laughs> I look forward to that, Jen. I do. Um, look forward to hear more of your stuff. Um, so that's a good segue into the last thing I wanted to discuss, which is your tarot reading. Um, so. Um, I've, I've had like, um, sort of basic understanding of tarot reading. Um, Mm -hmm. I've, um, talked to a couple tarot readers, um, in recent, it's a new thing for me where I'm like, just kind of getting used to it. But, um, but you know, I, I do understand that it's kind of like, you know, storytelling 
in in some ways and there's this um you know it's very like it uses like a lot of allegories absolutely uh, yeah well our lives are made up of the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and tarot has is pretty much like 78 cards that have pretty much every situation uh and character type of person that you will ever encounter in your life because there are patterns, there's archetypes that repeat throughout cultures because they're just part of the human experience, right? Um, it's, it's really interesting. Like the origins of the tarot are pretty mysterious. Like people don't know exactly like where it came from. I mean, playing cards uh, kind of came like through the Silk Road, uh, through like the Muslim world uh, and then, in Italy is where we first see the major arcana cards showing up. And in this particular region, I believe it was Milan, uh, there was, it was a thriving city, a very cosmopolitan, and there were uh, Muslim people and Christians and Jewish people all living together in harmony. And one of the theories that's like speculated is that some uh, scholars from each of these three religions kind of like got together to kind of like codify the ultimate truth of what the path of the human soul from birth towards enlightenment is like. And that is that hero's journey uh, that Joseph Campbell described uh, and that those patterns that you can see repeated in myths across yeah. cultures all over the world, they all fit one way or another into the tarot. It's super, super interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, now, as to how the cards that show up end up being the ones that are relevant to your current situation, that's a deeper mystery. Some people say that it has to do with quantum physics. Um, some people say that it's just purely psychological projection. Uh, I believe that there's a little bit of a divine supernatural element to it for sure. Uh, I, 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 that's, that's the view that I have taken. I have suspended my disbelief from being the, the years that I was really, really hard into science. I was also very agnostic. Um, I had already started reading the tarot cards when I was 17 though. But during that time that I wasn't doing music, I also wasn't doing tarot. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you had detached from like the, the more creative and spiritual endeavors. Exactly. I was, I was, I went hard into just like logic and what's going to make me money and what's the, 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 I mean, I'm good at science. Why would I not do science? Right. Um, the yeah, pressure my, to the pressure to partake in capitalism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I'm glad that I'm not giving in to that pressure anymore because even though I may be a little bit broke, I still have a roof over my head. And actually I feel like opportunities are like coming yeah. to me. And I have persisted on this path long enough now that I'm getting a lot of referrals and cause, cause I'm good at what I do. So I have clients that have been coming to me for years now. I've been, I started my tarot business um, at the end of 2013. So we're coming up on seven years now. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So, so have, is that like your, do you do it full time? Yeah, that's what I'm doing full time. 
That's awesome. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's really it's really exciting, and I I worked very hard uh, to get you know my website set up and like my Instagram situation flowing and my Google rankings and all of that. <laughs> um, so I've been I'm thankful that I've been that it's it's finally you know like paying off. Uh, I actually had a, a client from the Philippines who found me through Google. Mm. Uh, I also found have had a couple of clients from oh. Singapore just this last month. So that's really exciting. That is really cool. That's awesome, Jen. Good for you. Um, so if you're a tarot reader and you read, you have clients where like you read for mm -hmm. others, like what about yourself? Like, do you still get like read, I guess, or like, how does that yeah. work? Yeah, I read for myself. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at reading for myself and I can tell when I am lying to myself most of the time. Uh, once you get really good at tarot, then then you start to like see the ways in which you are lying to yourself. <laughs> uh, so I I read for myself, but I also have a couple of of readers that I that are my friends that I trust that I exchange with uh, pretty regularly. Uh, one of them is uh, Nina Horvath. Uh, Love Nina. Nina Nina is freaking awesome. Uh, another one is uh, Grace. Uh, Grace D'Amour of Tarot D'Amour. Sure. And another one that I often exchange with is uh, Samantha Bronson. Uh, her, her tarot business is, um, oh gosh, is it Magic Pixie Tarot? I think it's Magic Pixie Tarot. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Super cool. I was curious about that. Like, yeah. Kind of like how a therapist needs their therapist sometimes, you know. For like, real. Because sometimes sometimes I'm too close and I'm looking at the cards and I'm like, okay, this is looking really good. Am I just seeing my desires? Am I just projecting my desires onto the cards? Or is this actually what's going to happen? Or I will, I, or the other way around is like, oh my gosh, this is absolute disaster. Is, is this like, is it really this bad? Or are my fears and my anxiety being reflected back at me? And that actually will happen with clients too sometimes if they just keep asking the same question over and over and over. And let's say that the, the, the outcome was fairly positive, but they also give us some advice of what we can do to help speed the process along. And let's say the client does not follow that advice, but keeps asking the same question over and over and over, eventually is going to stop giving us the good recommended advice and path. And it's going to start showing just bad, bad. It's like, you know, I've told you 10 times that this is gonna be okay if you do the work. You're not doing the work and you keep asking, this is what it is, it's bad. <laughs> you know it's kind of like a slap upside the head sometimes yeah totally yeah that would make sense um so the last question is um if folks are interested in getting involved in tarot reading what advice would you give them i would say that they would need to approach it with a lot of respect i feel like tarot is something that lately has been so commodified and like people can say anybody can read the tarot and you just have to like look at the pictures and see what comes up you know and i mean you can get some some 
benefit from doing that. But I feel like you get more out of it if you actually study it and you dedicate the time to it. Um, I would say one of the things that I want to tell people is that making a living as a tarot reader is not an easy thing if you are doing it the ethical way, okay? Uh, if you're not using any sort of predatory business practices, it's, it's a bit of a grind, okay? Um, and it's not easy money like some people think it might be and it can be very draining and it can be tarot can be very very good for as a tool for like self-reflection but if you are thinking of trying to go professional i would say think about it very long and hard and make sure that you have put in the study and and the time required to really acquire mastery uh, of the thing before you start trying to like charge people money is because I've seen people who are charging people money for their readings, like maybe like equal to my rates or something like that. But then they're like looking up the things in the book because they've only been reading for like maybe two years. It's like, I, I, I started reading the cards in 2001 and I didn't open my business in, until 2013. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's, I feel like, like people should really respect it more um, yeah, is, is sense. one thing like approach it with like respect and reverence. Another thing is to remember that whatever we put into it is what we get out of it. Uh, it's really important to formulate clear questions when we are asking the cards about something because otherwise it may be a little bit too fuzzy it may be too all over the place and hard to pinpoint the 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 best way to get a clear answer out of the tarot is to ask a clear question of it um and i feel like with tarot and any other sort of divination it's always good to try and set an intention of finding wisdom and clarity that will lead us towards the greater good. I like to start always by visualizing light that comes down from heaven. It goes all the way through my body and down through my feet into the earth as I inhale and up from my feet all the way up my legs and through my body and out the crown as I exhale. And I visualize that light coming up and down a couple of times. And then I call on the protection of Archangel St. Michael and, and on the assistance of other archangels and ascended masters like Jesus, Mother Mary, Guan Yin. Uh, and uh, I ask our ancestors also, our ancestors in the light who have the greater good in their aim. Because we all have some ancestors that were just douchebags and we don't want to... <laughs> And we don't want to invite those guys in. Uh, but with the initial shield that we ask Archangel St. Michael to protect us and surround us so that only love and light may approach us. Now, I use, these are the words that I use. Everybody will have their own, you know, belief system. I, I would never want to impose my belief system on anybody. Uh, but I grew up Catholic. And so these are concepts that like come kind of more naturally to me. Um, so asking for this protection and for guidance and understanding. Uh, and when you're first starting out, do look everything up in the books. Take notes about it. I found that my, my tarot practice 
increased, like I leveled up as soon as I started keeping a journal. As soon as I started keeping a journal, just going card by card and saying, okay, so this is the magician and I'm going to read what is in the little white book about it. I'm going to read what is in the 78 Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollack, great book uh, about it. And then I'm going to sit with my journal, look at the card, think about what I read and write my own interpretation about it. And do that with all of the cards one by one is a great way to start. And then also maybe do readings for yourself and write down the cards and what you think they mean in the context of the readings that you give yourself. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Remember that the future is never set in stone. And so anything that we see in the cards that is about the future, if we don't like it, we can ask, how can we avoid this? Is there anything that we can do to deal with this situation better if it is unavoidable? Because I feel like if they're warning us, if they're showing us something uh, potentially painful or upsetting that may be coming up in the future, it's to warn us so that we can be prepared for it so that maybe we can try and avoid it or lessen its impact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For sure. So thank you so much, Ken, for sharing all of that. For uh, sure. You have been, um, you know, you're obviously, you know, a, a veteran of this practice. You've been doing it for almost 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, yeah, I just, I appreciate um, you sh being on the show tonight to talk about your music and about the tarot reading and about, um, you know the the vast nothingness that is that exists in Illinois. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, but this is really fun. And, um, on our on our way out here, as uh, we close out, I ask everyone the same two questions: uh, What keeps you up at night, Jen? What keeps me up at night? Sirens living in River West uh, yeah. is is one of the things. Also, you know. I am, I am, ex I, I worry about where the country is headed because um, it looks like fascism and I don't like it one bit. Um, so, so I worry about that. I worry about that. Um, I worry about being too sick because the healthcare system that we have, uh, you know, I, it would mean financial ruin. <laughs> um, it's so, atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that keep me up at night the most, you know? Totally. Yeah. I Just like hoping, hoping that, that things will, will turn around and people will wake up and realize that we need to take care of each other and stop being so freaking selfish. Yeah. Fuck individualism. Mm -hmm. uh, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Um, Oh, a dude just going on and on and on and on about like all of the things that all of the ways in which he is so great <laughs> and not like making it a conversation. People who are just like always just like droning on about uh, like trying to make themselves appear greater, you know, and, and 
they completely just not listen to anybody else. That puts me to sleep. Um, but in a good way, what puts me to sleep is this little girl oh. cuddling next to me and next to me and purring. Um, and and sometimes meditation music, like like binaural meditation. Oh, that sure. that that can help. I'll pop one of those on my headphones and just <laughs> <laughs> awesome for sure. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, really enjoy getting to know you and talking to you, hearing about you know your every like all of your your you have a really awesome um, journey that you've endured. Like you know weaving in and out of like connecting with different things. And I think it sounds like you've just in the last decade have really found have been drawn to this, this um, practice in a very profound way. And uh, I, it's awesome. I really, thank you. I, I really do feel like it's like a, a spiritual call to service, you know, and it's, it's, it's really it was really interesting when I read about your podcast because you were talking about like love and fear and I feel like my journey like reflects that so much with like all of the fear that I had at the beginning uh, when I first started out trying to do music and creative writing um, and how that led me down a path that looked like it would be successful but I was just so miserable because I had made that choice out of fear and once I decided you know what I'm gonna try and give the things I love a chance and try to make them grow it's they've been growing they've been growing and i feel like love needs to be what drives us to make the best choices like any choice that we make we need to like sit down and wonder am i making this choice because i love what is going to come out of this choice or because i fear what will come out if i don't and go. exactly and that's that's the way to to deal with things. What would love do? <laughs> right. The most powerful force in the universe. More, power, more powerful than fear, although its greatest, um, it, its greatest bane is fear. So. Yes. Well, fear is like the opposite of love is the, the way that I look at it. It's, a, it's not hate, it's fear. Right. Hate is a, is a subsidiary of, of fear. fear. Yeah. For real. Well, yeah. Thank you again, Jen. Um, you're welcome, Ben. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. For everyone watching, uh, I'll be tagging the link to Jen's sound code so you can check out her song. We look forward to seeing what she cooks up next, as well as I'll be tagging Put her tarot. Put my tarot site in there, too. Yes. Tarot <laughs> site will be there as well. Um, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. As always, we'll see you next time.